Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Sunday, January 16th. Crazy to think we have arrived at this point, but folks, just one day to go before the year's first Grand Slam kicks off. The 2022 Australian Open officially ready to begin play, and of course, if you are a listener to our Crack Rackets podcast, you know we've broken down the year's first Grand Slam from just about every angle. We've talked about the men's and women's contenders, talked about the men's and women's dark horses, broke down the Americans, offered the players we are irrationally excited for. There's a one thing left for us to do from a preview standpoint. Let's break down the men's and women's singles draws. That's our plan here. It's going to be a two mini break Sunday. And if we're breaking down draws here on our Crack Rackets podcast. There's only one guest for us to turn to. Of course, you know him best as a former standout Denison men's tennis player, a Crack Rackets contributor extraordinaire, head coach of the Rockhurst men's and women's tennis teams. Of course, it's our friend James, head coach Foster McDonald. What's up, coach? How are you doing today? Uh, you know, just really leaning into being called coach. Uh, no, there's a ton of times that I'm still not quite used to it, right? Being the first year, people just say coach, coach, coach. And then they say Jamie. I'm like, what? So uh, I still need to get used to it. So you're helping me practice. That's good. I appreciate that. Well, if I can finally offer you something in return for doing these podcasts, it's at the very least calling you coach. I have to imagine that is weird because your whole life you've been Jamie or I'm sure some sort of nickname, the Mac Attack, whatever people are calling you on any given basis. And now it's coach. Do you respond instinctually or does it take a second? It takes a second. It was especially bad at first, but uh, I'm also not going to be one of those people who's strict about you have to call me coach. I've had coaches that. It's like I wasn't going to walk in and be like, you have to call me coach. Please, coach is my father. Call me Jamie. Yeah, exactly. Right. So like, I'm not going to play it like that. So uh, no, it is what it is. It's up to each player. But yeah, there are times where even now I just don't, it's not quite as sharp as if somebody says Jamie, but, they just, uh, but yeah, they, we're getting used to it. Yeah. Your players have to address you as sir. It's not coach. There you go. Yeah. A, uh, no, I have, uh, again, I look forward to getting out there. I think it's March 15th. I've locked it in on my calendar that Saturday. I will be watching the Rockhurst men and women competing. But, of course, that is not the topic of today's discussion. We can save that for the end. I suppose you can give me a men's preview at the end of this pod, women's preview at the end of the women's draw pod. But, of course, we want to talk about the Australian Open men's singles draw on this show. The reason we're able to do that is because of the support we get from all of you listeners, all of our Crack Rackets Patreon family. I sincerely mean it when I say it. Our numbers, they continue to go up, and it means the world to us that so many of you continue to tune in. Obviously, there's some interesting stuff happening off the court surrounding Australia, and that's what we want to address at the start of today's show. Before we get into our draw preview, of course, again, quickly before we do that, shout out to our friends at Tennis Point for offering us some support day in, day out, powering this podcast. Of course, if you need any of the latest 
equipment. You can find it at the greatest prices over on our friends, tennis-point.com's website. If you use our promo code CR15, not only will you let them know we sent you there, you'll get 15% off your order free. Two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls, tennis-point. Simple, not the spelling, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With all of that said, the place we have to start today's podcast, Jamie, Novak Djokovic officially out of the 2022 Australian Open. The Federal Court of Australia in a unanimous decision dismissing Novak Djokovic's application for judicial review, which sought to challenge the Minister for Immigration's decision to cancel his visa. I want to start by offering the statement Djokovic offered following this decision being made. He talked about, again, I'd like to make a brief statement to address the outcome of of today's court hearing. I will now be taking some time to rest and to recuperate before making any further comments beyond this. I am extremely disappointed with the ruling to dismiss my application for judicial review of the decision to cancel my visa, which means I cannot stay in Australia and participate in the Australian Open. I respect the court's ruling and I'll cooperate with the relevant authorities in relation to my departure from Australia. I am uncomfortable that the focus of the past weeks has been on me and I hope that we can all now focus on the game and tournament I love. I would like to wish the players tournament officials, staff, volunteers, and fans, all the best for the tournament. Obviously, we've also seen statements from Immigration Minister Andrew Hawke. We've seen a statement from Prime Minister Scott Morrison from Australia as well. This is official. The bow has you know, finally been tied on this saga. Djokovic not participating, and we've seen an outwave of various different responses, whether it be those, you know, again, supporting this decision. And if you look at any public polling in Australia, the Australian people were pretty comfortably behind, you know, not extending Djokovic's visa. Most of the polls I saw, 65-35-70-30, and as many of us know, to get 50% of people to agree on anything in these times, very, very difficult to do, of course. We've also seen, it's worth mentioning, an outwave of support from players for Novak Djokovic, and I do think, again, as we put the bow on this saga, Jamie, there are no winners. Like, perhaps the only winner is the supply chain in Australia and learning what Australia's COVID regulations are from that Scott Morrison press conference we all turned tuned into. Like, nice, we're all aware of that. But outside of that, I don't think, obviously, that you know, it's been said a million times. How do we avoid all of this? Novak Djokovic listens to the science, overwhelmingly supports getting vaccinated. He gets vaccinated himself. We're never in this scenario. You have to extend it. I don't want to say the blame because I think everyone's at fault here, but you have to also mention what did Craig Tiley tell Novak Djokovic? Was he did he make clear to Djokovic or seem to indicate that you would be fine by coming to Australia? That we had clarified your medical exemption and all would be uh, good to go. How Craig Tiley keeps his job coming out of this will be one of the biggest questions moving forward as well. It did not reflect well on Tennis Australia this entire debacle. How do the tours avoid this situation moving forward? I think that's a question we have to answer. And then obviously. I mean, this decision became inherently political. All of the decisions involving a government are, again, I don't think anyone from government to Tennis Australia to Djokovic to the sport is reflected well in this. What's been your reaction to it all? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, like you mentioned, that there's there's support in some places. I mean, I think the thing that's kind of frustrating is and sometimes you, you, look, you see these people in a camp who completely paint him as only the victim in, 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 in that sort of scenario. And then you have these other people who are just completely aggressive on the other side who are just going after him and being, you know, arrogant this and blah, blah, blah. And again, we still don't know all the details. So for me, the truth is definitely somewhere in between those. Um, you know, at this point, 
sort of this thing has been talked about and talked about and talked about. And so, like you mentioned, the fact that there is something final is something positive now because, okay, here we are and we can move on. Now, again, you saw, you probably saw with the ATP uh, issued as well because it's unfortunate. Uh, and obviously, they want that champion playing the Australian Open, but they ended it with. By the way, we still strongly recommend that everyone gets vaccinated. So, you know, they're keeping that tone consistent. Um, and I think for us, yeah, obviously it's unfortunate that, that a champion doesn't get to go down and, and play the Aussie Open. But at the same time, still a sport we love, still a ton of other good players. And, and again, that's why you and me are here to preview the pod, right? It doesn't world doesn't stop because Djokovic isn't playing. No doubt about that. My last three things would be A, how do we clear up the gray area moving forward? I know I keep reiterating this. A tour Im- implements a vaccine mandate because then there is no gray area. You're either va- vaccinated and you're playing. You have a clarified documented med- medical exemption or you are not playing. Like th- That's just the clear solution. There's no gray area. Things remain that simple. Uh, the other thing I would talk about, and you mentioned again, the victimhood for Novak Djokovic, hopefully this is indicative for everyone of the countless immigrants in immigration systems across the world that suffer, you know, again, these similar claims, these similar inconsistencies, these similar difficulties in immigrating to and from countries. And, you know, again, they're, they don't have multimillion dollars behind them and the high power lawyers and the high visual, you know, the visual media prestige where it's blasted across international news and it becomes the story you know think about those claims as well when you try and paint Djokovic as a victim in this light his claim was processed pretty quickly and we came to a solution relatively you know in a short amount of time think of the countless people who are in that similar hotel for months on end years on end waiting for their claims to be uh, processed and then the third thing and this is very dissimilar from the first two do you have to send out the tweet? I just wish we could focus on the tennis. Like, what percentage of tennis Twitter do you think sent out that tweet over the past couple of days? What, 75%? 80%? Like, did you feel like you were getting missed out? We're all looking forward to the tennis. And to your point, Jamie, let's talk about that tennis. Because obviously, no Novak Djokovic in the draw opened things up for everyone as we move into this men's singles competition. And as we always do on these draw previews, we've got a couple of questions we want to talk about as we go through the four quarters of the draw. We're going to break down the most interesting first-round matches. We're going to talk about the seeds on upset alert. We're going to talk about the dangerous unseeded players lingering in each section of the draw. We're going to add a new category, one bold take from Jamie and myself, of course. We'll workshop those takes as we go through the section, but then we're going to put pen to paper, lock in a bold take per quarter of the draw. Of course, it would not be a draw preview without predictions. We've gone, you know, five days of preview content. Now we're ready to make some calls about who is going to succeed, who is going to fall short at this 2022 Australian Open. With all of that said, let's start at the top of the draw. The play beginning on Sunday night here in the United States, Monday in Australia, the top half of this men's singles draw. Do we still call it the Djokovic quarter? Like, I think we have mine's, to. Mine's the Kukushkin quarter. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you, can, you can call it whatever you like. I like that. I, I think Yuri Veshley's in this half, so can we call it the Veshley quarter? The Kozlov quarter. I thought it would be the Kozlov quarter by 2022, so you're right. That's what we'll go with. The Kukushkin works as well, uh, but of course the biggest now uh, gap 
in this section of the draw. No longer is Novak Djokovic in it. As such, you look in this quarter now. The favorite to advance, interestingly enough, to the semifinals, I believe, uh, is now uh, Carlos Alcaraz. Wow. 32.2% according to our friends at Tennis Abstract. You go through the list, and here's some interesting nuggets for you, Uh, Jamie. Second in terms of most likely to get to the semifinals, Gael Monfils, 13.6%. Can you guess who's third? And I'll give you some options. It's either going to be third in most likely to get to the semifinals. Tommy Paul, 11.6%. Just keep that fact in mind via Tennis Abstract's ELO ratings. As Over we get Berrettini. into it, because he'd have to go through Alcaraz at 7.9%, Carino Busta at 10% as well. Tommy Paul, according to the math, Jamie, third most likely to advance to the semifinal. I will definitely be tweeting that out as soon as we are done with this podcast. With those sorts of things in mind, worth mentioning again via our friends at Tennis Abstract, the closest first round match in this quarter by percentage is the Cam Nori Sebastian Corda round of 128 match. Matchup. Corda, a 52.9% favorite over Nori heading into the match. You've only got uh, three matches within the 60 40 framework. Berrettini Nakashima, it's 60 40. Berrettini, the favorite. Kasmanovic, a 57% favorite against Caruso. It's an interesting section up and down the board. Jamie, give, your, give me your most interesting first round matches. Yeah, big time. I mean, you already mentioned a couple of those. I mean, I think Nori and Corda. That's just got to be on there. Uh, Nakashima Berrettini is interesting. I think Berrettini uh, is being a, flying a little under the radar right now. Um, you know, people have been talking about, is he 100% healthy? How's he looked at, at different things down there? I, I think he'll actually look a little bit better than people expect. Um, I'd be surprised if he doesn't come through that Nakashima match pretty convincingly. Uh, and then I, re- I, I put down Query Sinego. It's an interesting one. Um, you know, you never know what you're going to get from Sam Query, but if that man's firing serves, uh, you know, pretty much anybody on the other end of the net is, is, uh, is in some trouble. So I think those are my main three out of this quarter to watch in terms of first-rounders. See, I, I'm going to disagree with you. Like, I just... You know, respectfully, I I don't see the appeal in that one. Um, in, in just Sam Query's game, I'm I'm kind of done with it. Like I, I mean, oh, I'm not saying I'm not saying that I see appeal in it. How many times have we put an Isner match on match to watch? <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying I see an appeal to it. It's, it's just fair. it's an interesting it's an interesting. I I, you're right. If he serves and hits, okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I would I'm not put, saying that I like love watching his style over any other. It's more just like yeah, that's that's a dynamic that's interesting. But yes, I hear you. Yeah, can I put a couple more by you? Just I'm curious what you think. Yeah. Bublik Escobedo is 70 30 Bublik, but that could very easily on just the wrong day for Bublik be 70 30 yep. the other way. And Escobedo's a lucky loser into this event, but you know I think won a challenger at to end the first week of the season or made a final, something like that. And, you know, won a couple of matches in qualifying. Bublik looked awful in his first round yeah. loss last week. Like, is there's a world where Escobedo gets the victory, right? Yeah, big time. I almost wrote this down, uh, but it's just because of how unpredictable Bublik is. And sometimes he gets in these slumps where you do put him in the Benoit pair category of, like, supposed to be a favorite. And then you look on betting odds, and he's, like, you know, plus 300 to win a single match. So you never know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Bublik should win this match. But, yeah, you were right. He looked in poor form. Um, so maybe he bounces back from that. I think the draw is certainly more interesting if Bublik is playing well. It's always a disappointment because he is so talented. 
the guy has such a crazy explosive serve, so it's fun to see that. But yeah, no, I, I don't hate that. I like that first round for you. Yeah, and there are a couple of things that'll bleed topics together. I want to save my Nordy quarter stuff for when we talk about the unseeded players who can make a run here. But just some yeah. other things to throw by you first round matches. Kozlov Veshley. Kozlov's a fifty two point one percent favorite. He should win that match. I'm not crazy. Like a lefty with Kozlov's backhand, big serve, but Kozlov extend the route. Like, that's a great draw for him. And if you're looking at Americans who can make a top 100 sort of push, I think Kozlov's a guy you circled this year. It's a great opportunity to get the season started the right way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and especially, I mean, look, you're going up against Vesely. That's not a bad draw at all, um, just at all. generally speaking, even outside of the, the matchup part once you get into the X's and O's of it. What did you say his win percentage was? I thought you said uh, – 52.1. I missed yeah, I missed that one. Okay. That's just a, that's a swing and a miss by me. Uh, so, hey, great shot. Um, but, yeah, that that's your actual closest one. I, see, that's why it's good to cool. have you back. I miss you, my friend. Um, all right, two more quickly on just first round. Fucevic versus the Deuce. Fucevic is a heavy favorite, 69%. But isn't this draw, like, with Djokovic out of the section, isn't Fucevic, like, I don't want to say pen him in, but, like, pencil him in to the quarterfinal here in the chaos? Fucevic is, like, perennial, and he's fit as a fiddle, so the three out of five sets always works well for him. Fourth round, like, if he can get through Alcaraz coming off of COVID, which is how I hate to frame it, but just an Alcaraz who hasn't played this year. And, like, if Mm -hmm. he can get through the deuce round one, Berrettini, he's got the size to not be a terrible matchup against Berrettini. Like, things could open up for for Fucevic, and I think watching this first-round match, if he's playing a good level, if he gets through this, like, 3-3-3, and now you have to circle. I mean, yeah, fair. I guess I, I didn't think of it that way as like using it to see where he's at. Because uh, to me, in my mind, he's smashing this first round. Uh, and we'll talk about him a little bit when we talk about unseated players. Well, let's order, just, yeah. I was going to say, let's just go out of order. We, well, let's do that now okay. because I think he is one you have to circle. And this match relates to that, uh, this topic. I think Tommy's first match, Tommy Paul against Kukushkin, you have to mm-hmm. circle as well. Because if Tommy's playing well, he can make the quarterfinals. Like, uh, yes, the projections are a bit ridiculous there, but they're not obscene. They're not outlandish. There's a world where Tommy makes a second-week push at this slam. Yeah, I mean, again, if we want to get into who we think, yeah. if there's one unseated player, and heck, heck, in this draw, there might be multiple in this quarter that aren't seated. I mean, we saw what's already happened, especially with the absence of Djokovic. But, um, you know, Fucevic is obviously on that list. For me, the big question mark is Bublik. Because if he's healthy and playing well, thousand percent he can make that run. Um, you know, he can serve his way out of trouble. Unfortunately for him, a lot of times he serves his way into trouble uh, with all the double faults and just being crazy aggressive. But um, I mean, I think if he's playing well and feeling comfortable and and not injured to some capacity, then I think Bublik is one who can be really scary and make a deep run out of this quarter, especially with how wide open it is now. Yeah, I mean, again, if that's why Bublik Escobedo, Bublik's serving well. Like, there's a world where he hits his way through. I think Tommy, again, if he's serving mm-hmm. well, if he is locked in, he can get through Seneco. He can get through that entire top section. Mimir Kuzmetovic doesn't have the weapon to overwhelmingly hurt Tommy. There's a reason the numbers say what they say. I mean, Monfils is in the you know is coming off of a title and certainly looked fit as a fiddle in week one and. The draw has opened up nice for him. I mean, Pedro Martinez is another guy I would just circle. And you know, you know, Fucevic, obviously, we've already talked about. But Martinez, you look at that section, like Christian Green, he didn't answer any of my hardcore questions at the ATP Cup. He was a little better, but not that much better. Like, Monfils doesn't have that overwhelming weapon, although he, I'm pretty sure he just beat Pedro Martinez in his week one run to the title. But I'm pretty sure that was also a pretty close match. 
it's an open section now. And then the obvious one that I, that I haven't discussed yet, and I think this gets into seeds on upset alert. I mean, Quarter's the freaking favorite, according to ELO ratings. And, like, you look at what Quarter's uh, been able to do uh, at the slams in the past. I'm not saying it's, you know, the overwhelming amounts of his success, but we've seen him in a fourth week. And, you know, he was definitely not in his top form at the end of last season, not playing his best ball. But lefty into that court of backhand nor doesn't have that overwhelming weapon to expose you know quarter's uh, lack of elite movement it's a good matchup for him like it it's that is the seed right away who you look at it's probably at the you know biggest upset alert yeah i mean it's it, it's a toss-up in my mind um you know i think if you're in the nori camp you don't feel too bad about it because i think there's things you, you can do to exploit some weaknesses if you continue to put the pressure on and you close properly and win a ton of points at the net and just keep applying that pressure um if he's executing well there i think he's got the edge for sure just because quarter will be on his heels a little bit now again if it isn't that sharp quarter's going to make him pay on every pass right i mean that's just how it is so i'm really excited to see that match uh but yeah it's a total toss-up in my mind where are you at with Sebastian Corda entering this season? Because talking to a bunch of people in the previews for this podcast, a lot of people are expecting a big jump from him this year. A lot of people are saying Corda, you know, again, answered a lot of questions last year, was top 30 hold percentage, top 15 break percentage sort of guy, and, you know, again, wins his first ATP title. You know, struggled down the home stretch of the season, wasn't healthy down the home stretch, but... For me, like, a good season for him would be duplicating what he did last year, sustaining a top 50 ranking, staying healthy for the duration of the season, which has been something he's struggled to do throughout the course of his season, uh, his career. I mean, Nori's such a tough—it sucks for Cam Nori. Like, talk about you're finally seated, you're not drawing Nadal right away, but you get Korda first round. Like, brutal when you look behind—like, beneath him. He could have had Mute or Pui. He'd be like, please, I'll take one of those. Um— that said, we might be selling Cam Nori short. Like, is there any yeah, reason Nori I, doesn't win this also? No, I mean, I, again, it's, it's a toss-up in my mind. I think people, I mean, Korda, look, when he's put on his top performances, yes, the hype is deserved. I think there are a lot of people, like you talked about, who are putting a bit too high of unrealistic expectations on him. Now, granted, if he makes a deep run in a major, collects a ton of points, phenomenal, great for him. Um, and we saw what he's capable of. Yeah, down the stretch of this 2021, it wasn't, you know, top tier for him but even go back to paris that's pretty late in the season that guy played some great tennis beat up on shillage came through that crazy match against karatsev took a set off medvedev i believe before losing so we know that tennis is there especially on a hard court but yeah i mean don't sell cam nori short here i i think he can absolutely win this and again the way that nori plays he's going to be able to control these points to some degree now again Quarter will be on offense when he wants to, and that's great. But I think Nori has a lot of different ways to apply pressure. Um, so I think it's going to be really interesting, right? It's just going to – it might just be a few huge points, and that's how it is. But, again, that's, that's what you want um, out of an electric first-round matchup at a, at a major. Yeah, I mean, look, that's our Patreon match of the day on day one. No doubt about it. That is going to be a physical match, and that's what Nori is going to try to do. Sliders out wide, short angles, give Quarter nothing in the center, nothing easy to dictate with. He's got the game style to do exactly that, to get Korda stretched. The question is, does he have the weapons? Will he be able to make things easy enough? How well is Korda serving, moving? It's a fascinating matchup. You know, we haven't talked much about the seeds yet. That's because it's prediction time. With that in mind, Jamie, who you got advancing out of this quarter? Who gets to— Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I forgot. See, I'm on reflex there. I'm used to getting to the predictions. Give me your bold take. Give me one bold take for this section. 
Oh, bold take out of this section. Uh, bold take out of this section. We see Christian Garen actually show up on a hardcore. That's a great bold take. So, um, what does it, that mean, feels, by the way? What would show bad. up? What would show up mean? Get to the third round and lose to Monfils, or would it be get past that? I, I don't know. I mean, I didn't specifically define it. I think for me, so much of it is truly just like the eye test and watching the quality of his play. Because how many times have we seen him step out on a hard court and it just looks disappointing? Right? It's just sloppy. Things are not sharp. So to me, I think that's the first thing he's got to pass is the eye test. And then, yeah, second, if he can come through there and beat them on beast, then yeah, that's that's huge. And obviously then that tips him over the good tournament line. But with his draw especially, he should be able to at least be fine in the beginning. Bagnus first round, then plays the winner of Del Bonus and Martinez after that. I mean, he's got all the opportunity in the world here. So for me, it's mainly the eye test. and like, hey, are you actually playing good hardcore tennis? Because in the past, it's just been so disappointingly sloppy. And you hope that he can kind of make the jump that somebody like Casper Rude did. We've talked about this in the past, but of clay specialist to phenomenal on hardcore, he just hasn't quite done it yet. The bold take, I, I think that for, I would agree with everything you said, and we talked about this when we had you right at the start of the year to talk about the players we're watching most closely. I mean, look, Pedro Martinez versus Christian Garin would be a fantastic match on a clay court. It would be a fantastic match on a hard court as well. I hope we get to see it round two. I do think PMP a little bit better with his court positioning. I mean, both guys do things very similarly. The Garin backhand a little bit flatter. Martinez far more effective with the slice. That would be a heck of a bar. I think if Garin gets through that match, it's a successful Australian Open. If he can get to the third round, just hold seed here before you face Monfils. At that point, that's an either-or. Plus, who's to say Monfils gets through a Bublik or an Escobedo? I actually think that's a great matchup for Ernesto um, relatively to other seeds he could have drawn. I mean, the bold take is that Nakashima beats Berrettini, right? Because if Berrettini, you know, Brandon's such a good returner, and yeah, Berrettini fires darts, and, you know, Brandon's a good, not great mover, and you do wonder how he's going to handle the pace of that forehand, particularly when they go forehand-to-forehand exchanges. You just feel like Berrettini's hits such a big ball that might expose the big backswing of Nakashima. That's one. I mean, is it even bold at this point to say I agree with the numbers? And, like, Tommy Paul should make the fourth round. And he's a 50.1% chance of advancing out of that section of eight at the top of the draw. Is it bold to say fourth anything less than fourth round's a disappointment for him? Like, he should beat Zanego. He is yeah. uh, he is the most dynamic player in that section. Is it bold? I mean, I think bold would say Tommy Paul to the quarterfinals. But I think that might be my pick in this section. Like, he is playing that. Well, he lost in three to Monfils when they played in Monfils' title run. I thought Tommy played really well in that match. And I thought he played really well the next week, too. Three-set loss to Chilich. I think Tommy makes the quarters. But I didn't, you know, but that feels too trendy. So that would be the bold take coming out of this section. That said, I'm with you on Green. Let's do that. Green to the fourth round. That, that's I like that a little bit. Because everyone's picking Tommy, right? I feel like that's yeah. the problem now. It's popular. Yeah. It's, all right, so just for the record, by the way, and I love our friends at DraftKings for doing this, first quarter winner. Uh, Berrettini plus 300, Alcaraz plus 330, Monfils plus 700, Tommy Paul plus 800, Nori plus 800, then Sonego plus 900. Worth mentioning, we haven't even talked about Carino Busta, who's 11-1 to 1 to win this section. And I do think on that bottom half of the draw of this quarter, you know, again, tough out for no matter who it is, whether it's Berrettini, whether it's Alcaraz, whether it's Nori, whether it's Korda, 
Good luck getting through Kareno Busa, whose eyes must light up at this part of the draw. With that said, give me your picks. Who's advancing out of this section? You know, I'm, I've am i gone back and forth on it, but uh, I actually think I'm going to take Gael Monfils to take this quarter. Interesting. Um, what an opportunity I, this is for him. Exactly. So how many times have we seen Monfils do very well, get to a fourth round, but then he's got to run into one of the big guys. And that has now gotten rid of itself. Um, and we know that the beginning of the year, Monfils has put up some phenomenal numbers, right? He's already looked good. What was it, 2020, where he had the unreal start? So it's like he's done this before, where he has really good starts to seasons. And I think he's going to capitalize on the momentum and on the moment. Uh, so I'm going to take Monfils. Now, granted, there's a lot of jockeying left to be done there because you've got Berrettini if he survives the Nakashima. He's got Fuchovic, who I think can move through. You've got Alcaraz as well. I don't quite think Alcaraz is ready to be a favorite, and so I think that might mess with him uh, a little bit, whereas Monfi is such a veteran, and this is just a, an opportunity because Djokovic is gone. So I said Monfi, so I'm sticking with it, but, uh, but yeah, there's going to be a lot of crazy stuff going down in this quarter. No, this is going to be the fun one, and it's worth mentioning for Gael Monfils. He's 22-18 and 18 in his last 52 weeks, 19-8 and 8 since the Canada Masters event at the start of August. He's played good ball of late, but, you know, again, last time he's made the quarterfinals of Grand Slam, U.S. Open 2019. Time before that, U.S. Open 2016. Now, he's made nine in his career, and, you know, that's about as many. I think that might be the most in this section. <sighs> I mean, so who's Monfils getting through? Berrettini? Um, no, out of that bottom section, I don't think Berrettini's going to survive. I'll probably put Fuchovic. That, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Why was it that's your bold take? Because um, that's not even bold. You're right. Um, I mean, the bottom half of this section is loaded. If we get the best Carlos Alcaraz, the best Matteo Berrettini, the best Pablo Carreno Bustin, the best Cam Nori, you got, you know, four guys who could all be in contention for the year-end finals come the end and of let's the say season. this let's say this too the best Alcaraz wins this session I think let's that is I mean the way that he can hit the ball the power he displays the athleticism the intensity the way he gets the crowd behind him if he's at his best here like I, I'm kind of counting on him being a little bit shocked by the moment and not ready to be the favorite and again that's not I, I love Alcaraz and I hope you know I hope he proves me wrong in some ways because it's so fun to see a young player do that but in my in my gut I just I think the moment's going to be a lot. The fact that he's going to be looked at as a favorite to advance, I just I just don't love it at this point. Everyone's selling Nori short, so that feels like it could be a fun pick here. It's a great pick to take. I love it. I'm going to take Carino Busta, though. The guy looked okay. locked in at the ATP Cup, and he's moving so well. He's just such a tough out, and I do wonder, mm-hmm. Nori Corda, whoever wins that, that's a tough first-round match you get. Carino Busta four days later. I just think he is going to advance to the third round coming off of that disappointing U.S. Open. Yeah. Alcaraz Berrettini beat themselves up. I'll say this. If Alcaraz gets to the fourth round, you're right. I think he wins this section. I just don't know how healthy he is, how ready. You know, again, Fuchovic, yeah. Berrettini, Carino Busta back to back to back. That'd be it's really great. tough matches. Yeah, and so I'm going to go Carino Busta. I'm going to say he beats Tommy Paul in the quarters. I've talked myself into it. Just too hard. And so, again, that's an eye test pick as well. Carino Busta, though, for me, is the pick to advance out of this section. So that's lock in quarter number one. 
With that in mind, let's get to quarter number two, the Alex Zverev quarter of the draw. Of course, you look via our friends at Tennis Abstract. Zverev now the second favorite to win the tournament. He's at 32.5%, obviously a big boost following Novak Djokovic's withdrawal. And for the record, that 32.5%, 6% behind Daniil Medvedev, but essentially they're saying both guys win the tournament about a third of the time it's played, of course. This also is a section, and it's rare we're not saying, it's the Nadal section. No, it's it, it's the Zverev section. Nadal happens to be in this section, the number six seed, a 1.7% chance, according to our friends at Tennis Abstract. I believe that's fourth or fifth uh, amongst all of the guys. He's in this section in terms of the seeds. You've got Hercots, you've got Shapovalov, Karatsev coming off of a title, Opelka, Hachinov, Harris. Definitely a, an impressive section of the draw. And, of course, you look, uh, again, some statistical nuggets. The closest first-round matchups, Riley Opelka, 52.1% favorite over Kevin Anderson. Holger Rune, 51.6% uh, favorite over Sunwoo Kwan. You've got James Duckworth, the Duck, a 51.3% favorite over Manorino. Benjamin Bonzi, 52.2% over Peter Goyowitz. With that in mind, Jamie, give me your most interesting first-round matchups. Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Yeah, I mean, this uh, this quarter has a decent amount of them. Uh, I like Vukic and Harris. You already mentioned it for Lloyd there. Chakinakis and Hoffman uh, are good. Lopez and Millman is just a weird one. Uh, and then Opelka Anderson. Again, to watch, I don't know if I would want to watch it. But let's say I'll follow I'll follow it live and see the scores. I'm not sure I want to watch Hope Anderson though. Put it that way. I will I will watch the tiebreakers and that is it, right? Like I Fair think that's enough. a that's a compromise. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, look, I do think first round wise, this isn't the most appealing. I think this section gets particularly interesting as you go through uh, the rounds, but. Holger Rune versus Sun Wukwan, like, I mean, that's right up our alley, right? And just in terms of Sun Wukwan, a guy five, I don't know, how tall are you? Five eight? Five nine? Just kidding. I would say Sun Wukwan is exactly as tall as you are, Jamie. So, like, five ten and a half, five eleven. Right, coach? Six two in shoes, right? <laughs> <laughs> um,. But Rude obviously is a rising star, and top 100 is beckoning for him, and I do want to see him in this 3 out of 5 set format because I do think that his physicality will be a strength of his career moving forward, and I do think, you know, again, Quan hits the ball so early, times everything so well, but doesn't have overwhelming pop, and so I think that's a very fun first-round matchup. I think Hanifman versus Kokonakis is good, like, personally, because, you know, Hanifman just plays such a different brand of tennis from so many other people. His kick serve out wide on the ad side might be the best, best kick serve in all of tennis, and just he'll incorporate the serve and volley. I also want to see just how much gas does Kokonakis have left in the tank. You know, he's played two physical weeks of tennis, so, you know, yeah, percentage-wise, he's an overwhelming favorite, but, you know, Hanifman... Had won four, you know seven six seven six matches in his final two qualifying matches has momentum on his side. I think that one's interesting. 
I thought Hatchinov was playing fantastic before he lost to Marin Cilic, and I just think he is, well, you know, just walloping the forehand right now. And let's be clear, of the four Russians, he's the lowest seed. Like, it, he's beneath Kar- Karatsev, and obviously Rublev, uh, Medvedev have surpassed him. I'm on the look for a hungry Karen Hatchinov this season. We'll talk about him more, I'm sure, later through this. Obviously, Rafa Giron, like, yes, Rafa won the title, but Giron's probably the best player he'll have played to date. I mean, no no disrespect to Max Cressy. You're right. First round-wise, like, yeah, this section is okay. But as you look through it, and again, let's switch up the order here. Uh, let's go back to dangerous unseeded players. Uh, excuse me, seeds on upset alert in this section. Who are you most worried about as we move through this draw? Yeah, I mean, to me, they're not, like, top seeds. Uh, so I think Lloyd is who I put there, but I think he's, what, 30? So I like how you call him Lloyd. That's just great. It's like, that's so disrespectful. It's not disrespect, whatever. Uh, we're on first name basis. We're boys. No, but so I mean, that's the thing, right? It's like you, you call a thirty seed uh, a true upset, probably not. Um, but to me, he's he's the main one. There's a, a lot of the other ones I really don't see that big of an opportunity with, and I do expect them to advance. But him, he's in a bit of a dangerous spot, especially first round. So um, really, that my list is short in this one. Maybe hatching on, but again, like you said, he looked good, so it's hard to go against him at this point. And Hatchinov is pretty much always good for at least one deep run in a major. Maybe this is there for him because he's been in good form. I don't know. It, it's just tough there. So I don't feel good about betting against Hatchinov at this point. Marcos Giron did not have a good run-up to the Australian Open. Loses straight set matches to Barankis and Jordan Thompson. But he was yeah. very good at the Grand Slams last season. He didn't lose a first-round match. He got, well, excuse me, he lost one first-round match. Four sets, Zverev first round Australian Open, but won first round matches at the next three and advanced to third round French Open. Got to you know through qualies at in Cincy and was able to play Indian Wells, win a match there. I think Caron is an interesting test for Rafa, but I think more broadly when I talk about seeds on upset alert, I think Hatchinov should beat Rafa in that round of uh, thirty two matchup because. Look, I always, I just think, A, for Hatchinov, it helps, the, you know, again, to be 6-6 when you're playing Rafa, that ball into your strike zone, the heavy topspin. And I think, you know, it's a match that always sticks out for me. 2019 Indian Wells quarterfinals, Hatchinov's up a set and a break. Rafa starts cramping, and Hatchinov just kind of folded over the next set and a half, and Rafa ends up winning the match somehow. And, you know, you, I could argue you can draw a through line to, from that match to the struggles Hatchinoff has had relatively over the past year and a half. But it's just an eye test thing. Like, he looked rejuvenated in his first week of play, and he loses, what was it, a straight set or a three-set match to Chilich in Sydney. I want to say it was a three-setter, survey says, seven six seven five. Oh, excuse me. He loses four and four. He beats Chilich in straights. He lost to Monfils in Adelaide. Lost six and five to Rindernesh in Adelaide too. I just again, I I was not that impressed eye test wise with Rafa in week number one. Like I don't like yeah you beat Cressy, but like okay you should beat Re- Cressy if you're Rafael Nadal. That game plan is so simple for Rafa to execute. That match wasn't particularly physical. I think Kachanov can stretch him physically in a way we just haven't seen Rafa tested. And again, the most dangerous Rafa would be second week Rafa. You got to get him early because as he works his way into form, he just becomes better and better. I think Kachanov's the guy who can get him early in week number one. That would be the match I circle because you're right. Like, I think things have broken pretty nicely. 
for Zverev in this section of the draw. Lloyd Harris is playing well. We saw that match, I think, in New York, or we saw that match relatively recently. I think Zverev would get Harris. Riley's looked good, not great. Shapovalov's such a volatile player. Sure, the best version of him's exciting. I mean, Hubi. It's interesting, but I like. I don't like. This is what I'm saying is I don't think anyone beats Hubi or Karatsev. Although Mackie McDonald, hello, we'll get to you in a second. Um, I just I think that's the guy. Like of all these seeds, I think Rafa's the one who's the least likely to hold seed. I I disagree. Um, that's I what think, I like to hear. I think if you look right now on the futures odds to win the tournament, even the best value play out there is Nadal because he's still like plus six seven hundred. I think he is being wildly overlooked at this moment, especially in a situation where you don't have, he's the only member of the big three who's in this tournament. Um, you already mentioned it with the danger he poses being second week, just the mentality tennis wise. I mean, yeah, he maybe didn't look his best, but he won a tournament and is now rested after winning that tournament. Like, I don't know. I feel, I feel good about Nadal and we'll get there when it's my bold prediction and what's going to happen in this quarter. But I would disagree. I don't see him on upset alert. And I think, I don't know, at this point, there are other seeds who could fall. You mentioned it, like a volatile shadow. Yeah, I mean, his peak's here, but we've also seen what can happen. So if I had to pick other uh, seeds, it, it certainly wouldn't be Nadal. That's not where I'd go. I'm but. sad you didn't work Nadir into that. His zenith is here. His Nadir is down below. Yeah. Um, yeah, Rafa's plus 275 to advance out of the quarter. That's second to Zverev, who's strong favorite, minus 110. You look again via the ELO ratings. Zverev, I believe, 77.9% to get to the quarterfinals and 665 to get to the semis. Rafa, 9.5% to get to the semis. That is second in the section. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, outside of Anderson, if he serves lights out, maybe against Opelka. Vukic, maybe against Harris. But I think most of these seeds are going to find some success early on in this section. That said, if an unseeded player is going to trip anyone up, who you got? Yeah, it's uh, it's a tricky one here. Um, but I think Kopfer, if he can uh, if he can actually finish out a match, you know, <laughs> yeah. he's got a chance because who is he playing against? You know, somebody in either Opelka or Anderson's second round. You play a couple good return games, you're fine there, and you can pull that upset. After that, things are pretty open because what you're playing probably Shapovalov. Who, again, if Shapovalov's at his best, he's winning that match, and so be it. That's fine. But how many times have we seen Shapovalov just be sloppy? And I think somebody like Dom Cooper could take advantage of that. So I, I like him there as a potential unseated one to make a run of things break. That's a great pick. I think the three obvious ones would be Rune. If he can get through Quan, Shapo versus Rune, two youngsters battling it out. That's a fun match for us here at Cracked Rackets. Has match of the day written all over it. I mean, Kokonakis is going to be a popular pick as well, just given the success he's had the past two weeks. Mackey, fourth round here last year. Very winnable match against qualifier Nikola Miljevic, known more for his play success round one. And then, look, Karatz has played a lot of tennis the past week and a half. And I think Munar, I really liked how Munar looked in, uh, even in lose. I just liked the depth he played with. And I liked, uh, you know, again, how physical he makes matches. I think Karatsev gets through that because Munar doesn't have the weapons to hurt Karatsev. And if you give him enough enough time, he's going to land his shots. But I think it's tough to go from winning a tournament the week before to that Munar match to then Mackey in the second round. So I think Mackey's the obvious one you circle, but I expect the seeds to have success in this section. And with that in mind, though, give me a bold take. Give me something juicy that you're looking at for Nadal. section number two. Nadal wins it. 
<laughs> that is a bold take. I mean, that's that's and in my mind, it's less bold than you know people are saying at this point. It doesn't seem that crazy. I think that's that's my take. Is Nadal wins the section? I hope I'm. I know how much I told you sewing. I'll be hearing from you if he does win the section. So please, tennis gods, for just that reason, don't give me a Nadal victory. Is it a bold take to say the best player in this? No, I was gonna say is Chapo at his best, but it's just not. Like that's just a lie. I mean, huh. I don't know. I, like. I, I really don't have a bold take for this section. I think Zverev advances. I, I don't see Opelka knocking off Shapovalov. I think Hubi Hercots is going to be the guy who faces Zverev, but I don't think that's particularly bold to take him over Rafa, and I think his size is particularly helpful. I'll say my bold take is you're wrong, and that Hatchinov beats Nadal in the third round. That's a bold take for all of you yeah. listeners. With that in mind, predictions. And I believe you said Monfils over, I'm going to say, Berrettini. In section number one, sorry. Uh, oh, I said Berrettini wasn't going to make it through, so I think I threw the name Fucevic. Oh, Fucevic okay. out there. Okay, so I'm just writing this down for the tweets. All right, for the predictions, lay it on me, Jamie. Who's who's advancing out of this section? I think it's Nadal over Zverev. Yeah, it's pretty straightforward, right? I mean, Zverev, you have any worries about him getting to, uh, getting to the quarterfinals? I mean, I really shouldn't. I mean, again, if, if Shapovalov shows up and is playing that well, then that poses some danger. Um, I think you could have another situation like the U.S. Open that Zverev kind of uh, screwed up in the final, <laughs> let's say, uh, where he starts looking around, seeing the opportunity, and things get a little scary for him uh, between the ears. But no, I mean, straight up, he should win this, uh, at least the top half of that quarter. I just think Nadal gets there, and by that point, it's deep in the tournament, and I think Nadal gets it done. So give me Nadal over Zverev. It's not a bad take at all. I'm going to go Zverev over Hubi, and you look for Hubi Hurkacz. Uh, yeah, I know he lost four sets to Seppi, U.S. Open last year, first round to Emer, uh, Australian Open last year, but he's made a semifinals of a Grand Slam. He had success winning Miami Masters, quarterfinal Indian Wells, you know, success, looked great at the ATP Cup, got to play the Tour Finals, Paris Masters semifinals. I think he's ready to take that next step at a hardcourt slam, and I think this draw is his opportunity to do so. I also just think, again, it helps to be 6'6 when you're playing Rafa. He's 6'6. He can do a lot of the things you want a player to be able to do to take advantage of this version of Rafa's weaknesses. But that said, I mean, Zverev doesn't lose before fourth rounds anymore at Grand Slams, and I think he looks at the draw now as this top half is mine. Like, it is my section to own, and I do think it's a brutal pathway. Rafa would have to go through probably a Hatchinov, then a Hurkacz just before even getting to that Zverev match. Zverev's pathway a little bit more clear. Chapo would be tough the round before. I mean, Lloyd Harris is playing good ball if everyone holds seeds, but I, I just think this is Zverev's slam to do it. It would. It's a shame that in my predictions we have a Zverev Pablo Carreno Busta semifinal rematch because that was the worst semifinal in U.S. Open and maybe Grand Slam history back in 2020. But it gets ugly. It, it would make sense that that's Zverev's pathway to another Grand Slam final. That makes sense on paper. So I'm going to take Zverev over Hercots. And again, in terms of juice. This section gets a little juicier later on. I think top half Monday is going to be the section to watch in terms of watching the men's play. But with that in mind, let's move on 
to the bottom half of the draw. Of course, this technically the Stefano Tsitsipas quarter of the draw. You look at the numbers right now. Tsitsipas, not the favorite, though, to advance to the semifinals. That would belong to the fifth highest rated player, I believe. Now, uh, no, excuse me, sixth highest rated player to win the 2022 Australian Open, according to our friends at DraftKings. That's Yannick Sinner, who, by the way, 20-1 to 1 bet right now to win DraftKings. If you're taking a long shot, that's the one I think you pick. Sinner, favorite according to the ELO ratings. He's currently a 31.7% uh, favorite to advance to the semifinals. He's followed by Tsitsipas at 23%. Kasparud, 13.1%. After that, Grigor Dimitrov at 7.2%. You look at the most interesting first-round matches. According to the ELO ratings, you've got Camille Matrizak, 56 6.8% favorite over Andrea Seppi. You got Andy Murray, 53% favorite in a rematch, part three against Nicolas Basilashvili. Stevie Johnson, 51.9% against Jordan Thompson. You've also got two others, Benoit Pair, Diego Montiero, and Albert Ramos Vinolas versus Sebastian Baez in that 54-46 range. With that said, Jamie, Give me your most first interesting first-round match. I feel like this may be another section where things may heat up a bit later. Yeah, there's some interesting ones, though. Uh, so, Demon Hour and Musetti first round. Uh, I mean, you expect Demon to come through that, especially because he seems to have been, you know, more comfortable back to his good form. He's got the home crowd. So, I think that's a good one. But again, sort of like we were talking about in earlier sections, just to see where his level's at, I test it. Um, Sissy Boston Yemmer, I think, is going to be more entertaining than people give it credit for right off the bat. I don't think Steph has looked phenomenal. Um, now, I don't expect, I didn't put him on upset alert. I don't expect him to lose that, but I do expect it to be closer than people. Uh, thing. Murray and Bash playing again. Got to put that one on the list as well. They're all pretty darn good. I mean, you look up and down the list. It's tough. Like, I... I would go Lechechka, Dimitrov, Lechechka, Yuri Lechechka, 20, 21-year-old Czech qualifier into this event, played, you know, won a, a couple of few uh, challenger titles last season, was a top junior, not the top junior, but one of the top juniors in the world. He remind, he's like Marcos Giron 1.25 for players that uh, people who haven't seen him play and just takes the ball early on the rise, great on the run. I don't know if he's got quite enough juice to beat Dimitrov, but that's just a match to keep your eye on. I mean, I want to see how Martyr Fritz goes, just because Martyr used to be the sort of guy, lefty, big weapons, who might give Fritz trouble and expose that athleticism. If Fritz gets through that in straight sets, that's sort of indicative of, okay, he's here to play. But I don't know, like, yeah, Murray Baslashvili, inherently interesting, sure. But I do think this is a section of the draw that, again, gets more and more interesting as you go through because, like, Ivashka, who was one of the hottest players to end last season versus Kasper Ruud round two, that's a fascinating match. Camille Matrizak, who played really good ball at the ATP Cup, taking on Alex Dimonauer round two, that match gets interesting. I think, you know, a Fritz Tiafo potential second-round match, that would be obviously a fascinating sort of battle to me, it's 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 still week one, but it's day two, you know day two of competition for this group that things really start to heat up. And with that in mind, you know, talk to me about the seeds. You could see potentially an upset alert or, uh, here in this section. Yeah, I mean, the main one for me is uh, Basilish really. I mean, I think Murray has proven where he's at. Now, granted, it's not top Andy Murray, but it's still good. It's still fiery. It's still competitive Andy Murray. And uh, Bash doesn't show up well. He could be in some trouble. So that's the main one for me is for the 21 seed to go out to Murray there. 
otherwise, I don't really have anybody on a strict upset alert. I don't know. I mean, there's, again, we talked about it where there's other first rounds who are interesting or maybe creep into a second round is still interesting, but I'm not sure I'm sounding the alarm on anybody except for him. Five guys were top 15 club last year in hold and break percentage. It took me 49 minutes to reference the top 15 club. Can I get some props here from you, Jamie? You know I've been trying to get better about that. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, five guys. Dimitrov, uh, Dimitrov, uh, Daniil Medvedev, Djokovic, Zverev, Kasparud, and Ilya Ivashka. Ilya Ivashka plays Kasparud potentially round number two. That's an upset alert to me. That that just because again we still haven't seen Casper make a second week of a Grand Slam. Like let's keep that fact in mind. Yeah. I, so for the record, this is sort of bleeding in. I think this is the one where he does it. I do have a Vashka. If there is an unseated, he is my one that I wrote down um, as an unseated to make a run. But ultimately, I think Casper answers the questions, and I think this is the one where we see him make that deep run. Yeah. Because really, I was very impressed. Even again, his transition away from just being a clay court specialist on those fast courts at the tour finals, Casper didn't look like he didn't belong there, right? Like he, he belonged there, which is impressive, right? So you slow that down a little bit. Um, you let him get into these sort of conditions. I think Rude's really dangerous. Uh, but anyway, continue. No, I, I think that's a very good point. Uh, it's fair. It's a fair point to make. You brought up Emer versus Tsitsipas. Mikhail Emer knocking out Hercots last year looked really good in his first two wins in Adelaide. And just, again, guy will push you physically, make every match that much more difficult. You know, when he made the final of Winston-Salem last year, beats Tiafo, beats Alcaraz on his way to the final before getting knocked out by Avashka. If C- you know, Tsitsipas' tennis looked good at the ATP Cup. He did not look fit. And he's had two weeks to get in closer to match shape coming off of that elbow surgery. But that match is a track meet. I think Emer has Tsitsipas on upset alert. I made the Lehechka Dimitrov case. Tiafo Fritz second round. I don't even know if that'd be an upset if Tiafo wins, but I think that match would be very, very interesting if we got to see it play. I think we're contractually obliged to do this as we talk about the unseated players, and then we can get to the bold take and prediction. But just in terms of dangerous unseated players, where are you on last week's finalist, Andy Murray? And obviously, you know, upset over Basilishvili is one thing. He'd have to beat Sinner just to get to week number two. Sinner is sixth by the odds. I think fourth via our friends here at Tennis Abstract. I mean, the Sin Man, if you watched him at the ATP Cup, he was playing you know, chess while his opponents were playing checkers, and just he was on a different level. Can Murray win that match? Where are you with Andy? He can, but he's got to accept that a lot of it might not be dictated by his racket. You know, if he wins that match, I don't think it's just because he's so unreal. If he plays that match and wins it and comes through, I think it's because Sinner did something improper with his execution, came out flat, sloppy, something like that. So I think a lot of the the ultimate ultimate end of that match is going to be determined by if Sinner comes out looking good or if he comes out looking poor. And if Sinner comes out looking good, he wins that match, in my mind. That's 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 just the truth of it. I think too much too many of those points are going to be dictated by him. He's going to be able to wrangle control. I think he's going to get opportunities to attack the Murray serve and get into those return games. So it's dangerous. Uh, but again, to me, the only the only part where Sinner is truly on his heels there is if he comes out poorly. Other than that, I don't think Murray has much control uh, of his own destiny in that one. You frame that so perfectly. And can I just run more, one more pet theory by you? Because uh-huh. my well, I'll get to my bold take. Well, I'll just get into my bold take now, if that's all right. It's that Yannick uh-huh. Sinner can absolutely, and I don't even think this is bold, but I think he can win. And I think I think he can get to the final. 
of this Australian Open. Like, I think that should be the expectation for him to beat Medvedev. Certainly, semifinal, semifinal should be the expectation for him because when you look at this section, I think the numbers are right. I think he's the favorite. And I know we've seen him make a quarterfinal, obviously, at a Grand Slam before. Would have the, you know, if he plays Kasparud in the, in the round of 16, isn't he the favorite? In that match, like the the odds makers, obviously Elo would say he is. I I also think there's this through line, and here's the big thing: after Tiafo gave him the business in Vienna, just emotionally, just the energy he played with, I think there's a renewed spirit to everything Yannick Sinner is doing on court, and I just think he's now playing with a a fire. Not that he didn't have that fire internally before, but allowing it to manifest itself externally, I think it's brought another dimension to his game, like. I, I, again, this isn't a bold take. He is my pick to make the semifinals out of this section. Like, I do think this is going to be one of the things we're talking about coming about out of Australia is, oh, man, Sinner's ready. So, tennis-wise, I'm there with you. It's impressive. Let me, let's revisit that Vienna situation. Mm-hmm. How hot and bothered was he about Tiafo getting in with the crowd, having that energy? You're the most frustrated me, I've ever seen him. Most frustrated I've ever and, seen him. And his response to it was, in my mind, very immature. Um, and a huge opportunity, in my mind, for anybody who's looking and saying, oh, man, if I just involve the crowd and get rowdy here, Sinner's going to lose it and his level's going to drop. Like, Again, yes, he's young, and so I think that will change over time. But to me, I don't think – I think he's still fundamentally bothered by that. And so if Damon Auer goes on a tear mm. – and has a whole crowd behind him, night match at the Aussie Open, you know he's going to be, I mean, he's going to be a dick about so, it, right? Like, so just to jump onto that point, I apologize for interrupting you. Sinner Murray's the night match on Laver, right? Like, they, they would make yeah. that the prime time. Mm-hmm. So and that's same an situation. In, so here's, same. yeah, but so while you bring that up, and Demon Hour would probably be the same thing if they were to play in an eventual uh, quarterfinal or around a 16 sort of situation. Mm-hmm. Here's the difference since Vienna. And I'm curious if you've noticed this. I think he tries to take the crowd away from Murray. Now, Murray will inherently have the crowd. Demon Hour will inherently have the crowd. So those are two particularly tough opponents to try and do it against. But I think the crowd will support Murray, support Demon Hour. I think he will also get them to support him to the point where they're just enjoying extraordinary tennis. And they're not anti-sinner it's just, yes, Demon Hour gets love, but Sinner will also get love at these, this point because I just think he has done – he's made a more conscious effort to try and embrace the crowd and play with fire. Maybe. Perhaps. So if he does that, does that help you? Oh, I mean, yeah, 100%. If he does that and embraces the crowd, it's 1,000%, yes. I mean, I think that was, to me, what was sort of the immature – feeling was he was just trying to put it in this box away from him like oh well i'm i'm still the better player i'm going to do this and diapo embraced it and showed him up and so i think that there is still a danger of players who just have that x factor and who are electric or in the specific case of murray and damon hour i mean you know they're going to have the crowd like they, they just are right um damon hour being the home guy he's got the energy and he's he's a hometown hero right murray being andy murray like those are just those are just hard dynamics for center to get through. So to me, it's not even about the tennis necessarily, because yeah, on paper and how he swings the racket, obviously you're thinking, man, this guy's in great form. He's doing this. You add that crowd, I think it'll get to Yannick Center more than people expect. And look, if it doesn't credit to him, that means he's matured to another level, and that's awesome. That only means leaps and bounds for his career, even more in the short term than the far. But still, I think it's I think it can still bother him. Yeah. Again, more than anything else. 
he's the guy to watch in this section. And, uh, you know, with that in mind, give me the prediction. Who's coming out of the Pass quarter? We have not talked much about Stefanos, who's obviously coming off of injury. Uh, you know, you look at for him, that Emer match first. Dimitrov's his immediate seed after that. It would be either a Fritz or a Roberto Bautista Agut, who was probably— I mean, I know he lost his final match to FAA— but RBA was as good as anyone at the ATP Cup. Looks fit as a fiddle, and I think it's like 49-9 and nine over the past five Januaries or something crazy like that. Give me your predictions. Who's coming out of this section? So I think it will be Batista Gute, actually, that's going to come out of the bottom half of this section. Um, I think that I, 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 there's so many question marks around Sitsipas that that's why I can't take him to even come out of that bottom part. I just I just don't know. Um, now, granted, I think the world of tennis is better when Sitsipas is, is on it and rocking, so that's great. I hope he is, but I'm just not confident. So in that, in my mind there, I just can't I can't take him. So I got to take Batista out of the bottom part of that. The top half of this one is where it gets crazy for me. Um, Do it. I'll let the I know you want to take him. Take yeah, Casper. Take Casper. Well, it's definitely going to be Sinner. It's uh, it's either, in my mind at least, it probably will be. Or but. Demon Hour. Come on. <laughs> Demon Hour. It's Demon Hour or Casper. So that's what I have written down as the winner of that match. Um, and again, I think both of those people. Now, Demon Hour has more of a chance I think I think if the matchup is Rude versus Rude versus Center or Damon Hour versus Center, I like Damon Hour's matchup a little bit better, um, just because of the crowd dynamic. But and you're not going to let me just do both. Uh, give me Rude, I guess. I want to take Demon, but I just died. Give me Rude. Give I me like Rude this. to advance. I like the fact that we haven't had a single prediction the same yet thus far. We've taken four different men, uh, three different men, excuse me, to advance to the uh, semifinals. I mean, I can't wax poetically about Sinner and not take him here, so I'm taking Yannick Sinner. I'm having him go, we do agree here, over RBA as well, and at least we've agreed on a couple of quarterfinalists, RBA, Zverev thus far. Yeah, I... Everything I said about Sinner. I just think he's ready. This is, this is the one I think the jump's going to happen eventually. I'd rather be wrong about that take than be – I'd rather be wrong picking him than not pick him and see him go on to that success. I'm just – I'm ready for it to happen. But that's quarter number three. Our final quarter might be the most interesting quarter of all of the sections, of course. That is the Daniil Medvedev quarter, your number two seed. Now the odds-on favorite, according to our friends at DraftKings, now at plus 140 to win the 2022 Australian Open. By the way, worth mentioning, in quarter number three, Sinner plus 250, Pass plus 380, Rude plus 600, RBA 9-1, to one, Murray 10-1, to one, Fritz 14-1 to one were the odds. You look at quarter number four, Medvedev a minus 225 favorite. After that, Rublev plus 700, FAA plus 900, Chilich 18-1, to one, Kyrgios and Schwartzman both 20 to 1 but I don't think the odds do this section justice because yeah Daniil Medvedev got better as the ATP Cup went on he didn't play his best and you look at some of the guys in this section obviously Ugo Umber is his immediate seed Umber just beat him two out of three sets three out of five a different monster you have the high variance John Isner uh, in this section, of course, as well. Diego Schwartzman looked pretty damn good at ATP Cup. If it's ever going to happen for him, it's probably going to be now. Dan Evans has looked great. Chilich in this section, he's looked great. FAA coming off of the ATP Cup victory. Rublev 
always dangerous as well. Of course, all the ELO projections are going to favor Daniil Medvedev. You look at the closest first-round matches. Paparin, Rindernash, a 55-45 affair. Gaston, uh, O'Connell, a 56-44 affair. Umber, Gasquet, incorrectly, a 58-42 affair. Pretty lopsided first-round matches, but I think there's more interest than that. I think the numbers are a little misleading on, in this section. Jamie, what are you watching most closely? Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, look, yeah, Medvedev the favorite, and I still agree with that, and we'll get to it when we go to the predictions. But, I mean, dude, if he gets through it, it is a gauntlet of a draw. I mean, it is horrible. Like, that is terrible, especially for somebody who we're saying is now the front runner. Um, that is a terrible path that he has. Now, again, can he do it? Yeah, absolutely. And I still expect him to come up with those wins. He's he's proven that he's at that level. He's the top of the world. But my goodness, it is tough for him to go through, um, especially if you think in second round he's got a curious at the Oz Open, like that's that's just brutal. But uh, but no, I mean I think first rounds to watch. I think Evans and Goffin uh, will be closer than people expect. Uh, David Goffin has looked just bad recently, and that's true. Dan Evans has looked pretty strong. I think Goffin will start to get it to be together here. Now I expect Dan Evans to win this. I don't have him on upset alert, but I think it will be closer than people think at this point. I think Goffin is ready to kind of flip the switch a little bit because he has looked so bad, and and he's. He's a higher caliber player than what he's been showing lately. Um, and it's only a matter of time in my mind that he gets back on uh, kind of corrects the, the course that he's on. I'm going to vehemently uh, disagree with you there. I think Evans whoops him. I think Dan Evans – and it's not because of David Goffin. It's because of Dan Evans. Dan Evans looked excellent in his first couple of weeks of competition, whether it's at the – He should – I mean, so here's the thing. He should beat him badly. Yeah. I'm saying that it'll be closer than people expect. So that's where I'm disagreeing. I think Dan Evans does beat him badly. Like, I think, and that's why I think this section is so fascinating because, again, Evans is playing the best ball of his career. Like, yeah, he lost in three sets to Karatsev, but that match was such high quality last week. And, you know, again, uh, you look elsewhere in the draw. I like Popperin Rindernesh. My new thing for Alexi yeah. Popperin is he's just the poor man's Kyle Edmund. What do you think about that take? I mean, where the hell is Kyle Edmund? So there, yeah. there goes your phrasing right there. That's fair. Um, Rusevori versus FAA. I mean, I've got it on there. Yeah. he's got weapons. FAA, the problem is he can explore, exploit the biggest weakness for Rusevori, which is that he's just not the most elite mover. Thomas Matchak versus Surindolo is just a hipster favorite. Matchak, a ton of challenger success. Surindolo still hasn't played many hard court matches. That's a match the qualifier from the Czech Republic should win. I mean, Brody Kyrgios, fine. Struf Vandesen, Sculp. Who's the favorite in Struf Vandesen, Sculp? Because if Botik's the favorite, which according to the numbers he is, then I like Struf. But if Struf's the favorite, I like Botik. Because as we know, Struf Dog never wins as the favorite. Struf, Struf should win that match. Yeah. He should. Unless he's just sloppy. He he has the weapons. He has the ability to dictate that from point number one. Um, you know, I, he should win that match. He should win that match in three or four sets in my mind. Okay. You have two choices. Split screen, Cressy Isner, the other half, Anderson Query. You have to watch both simultaneously, or you have to just put a thick thing of mustard on a chicken tender sub. Mm. I'll watch the tennis. Yeah. <laughs> that was me knowing your personal history. I was like, what is the most be... disgusting thing I can offer? I almost said mayo, but I didn't want you to yak. But I was like, mustard. Let me let me throw mustard out there. I can be on my phone during it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, it's like, those matches are interesting. I don't, I'm not there to watch the tennis. Let's put it that way. It's like, 
it's like I'm, I'm there to see the outcome. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> that's about as that's about as diplomatic as I can be with that one. But oh, uh, but yeah, no, but I and, and you know because of that, I do put Isner in a lot of trouble. Well, and again, that's not just being that that's not just being high on Preston's recent stuff. But Isner, I mean, I'll be surprised if he wins. Do you eat a chicken tender sub, or is that too much dressing for you? Like, I just need the tenders. I mean, listen, depends all depends what what's on it. But no, I mean, I need the chicken tenders. That's it. I'm good. If it's I'm like, pretty plain. What if it's like cheddar cheese and just like you know a nice something or other? Again, I just don't need it. Yeah, that's that's true. That's how you stay. That's how you know. Again, Jill Simone got to line up here uh, in a couple of days. I mean, yeah, you talk about seeds on upset alert. Cressy, Isner, I mean, there's no world, uh, there's absolutely a world where Cressy can beat Isner. I feel like this is just the newest version of Isner-Opelka, and we've seen Opelka win that match, so I think there's absolutely a world where Cressy can win this one. I mean, Botic or Struff can absolutely beat Umber in round number two as well. Ditto for a Rindernesh or a Popperin against a Dan Evans if they play their best tennis. I mean, dude, Umber, that, though, yeah. Umber, when he's playing well, is so much fun. And he is he is such an underrated player in my opinion. Um, and it is crazy. I think it's only a matter of time. In the next couple of years, we will see this guy consistently making the deep runs and just getting the tour results that he needs to not be, you know, what the twenty nine. What is he in this? The twenty nine seed. So that instead he's like the fifteen because he's that good uh, when he plays that top level tennis. So I, I think Umber could maybe you know sneak in some stuff here and surprise people. The problem is then he runs into a Medvedev. So. That's where it gets a little tricky for him in this section. Yeah, it, it's a loaded freaking section again. That's the problem for the unseated players who you like. Arthur Rindernesh is playing great, but like to get to the fourth round, he'd probably have to beat Popperin, Evans, and Felix. That's just a really tough ask for the former Aggie All-American. And, you know, again, some of the other guys. I do think Gianluca Madger, just because Rublev's coming off of COVID, hasn't played much. He's got the sort of weapons that it'll just be interesting to see what sort of shape Rublev is in. But, I mean, outside of that, everyone and your mother is picking Maxime Cressy as your dangerous unseated players. Botic's going to get a lot of love. He's a tennis Twitter favorite. Can Kyrgios slap his way to a victory against Medvedev, or is there absolutely no way in hell that happens? He could, but he can't get pushed. To, he can't do the classic thing where he gets pushed to five sets and then is just too tired to even function. Um, if he comes out swinging, gets a huge lead, then maybe, but... If he's expecting to be able to dig deep and beat Daniil Medvedev in five sets, I just don't see it happening, right? Unless he's just so fresh because he kills Brody in the first round, two, two, and two. Uh, but that's that's been a problem with Kyrgios, right? Is he shows up and plays good tennis and then is injured and can't play. I mean, this this happened when he was making that deep run, and then what? He had to quit while playing against Felix, right? Because of the crazy match he had against Umber. So it, it's just tough. But to me, it's it's totally just about the physical toll for, for Kyrgios. It isn't even about the tennis, which is unfortunate. Uh, but that, that's just where he's at with, with fitness and everything right now, I think. Yeah, no, it's it's one of those times for sure. Uh, again, we didn't talk about this. He feels unseated. He's not number 27 seed, Marin Cilic, 13-4 and four in his last five events, striking the ball so well right now. And Emilio Gomez doesn't really have the weapons. He'll give Cilic chances to rip the ball. And again, Rublev not at his healthiest. There's a world where Chilich finds his way to week two. And, you know, again, I think this section is very, very interesting when it comes to the seeds in play here. A lot of talent up and down the board. That in mind, give me the picks, Jamie. Oh, no, no, no. Give me the bold take. What is it? A bold take about a, about a seed? Is it one of the seeds you like most in this section? What is it for here? 
my bold takes at least give me half of my prediction. It's that Chilich takes the top of the section, gets to the corners. I like it. Um, you know, it's unfortunate for him. He he should have won that match um, against Kalkanakis. You know, he had what two match points to win it. Um, I, I think he should have taken that, but it, it is what it is, right? He's obviously playing good tennis. Um, I think he comes out of the top of that. Now he matches up against Medvedev, and I expect Medvedev to come through because he is my prediction to get through and all the way to the semis. Uh, but yeah, I'm taking Chilich. I like it. Um, we talked about this, you know, before the pod. Marin Chilich is just so good. Right, he's just so good. Now, um, there's a chance he has a bad day, does some unfortunate things, gets caught in a bad situation, is down two sets to love. I, I see it happening, but in my mind, he's that good. You know, I think yes, he could run into somebody real dangerous like a Dan Evans, who could give him a lot of trouble because in that situation, Dan Evans is going to be you know dictating things, and Chilich will have to be on his heels. But I think Chilich is smart enough to make adjustments. Um, give me Chilich in the top half. I said it. I'm sticking to it. That's a bold take for sure. I would say mine. I'm good, man. Yeah, no, that's that's good. I like that one. Um, I mean, it's not bold. Like Dan Ev- though, I think Dan Evans would be an equally bold take in the Chilich model. I think those are the two guys who uh, you could argue they're both playing better than Felix. Oh, yeah. Felix. Uh, yeah. I mean, Felix did look good um, ATP Cup, but uh, yeah, you mentioned Dan Evans has looked really good. Um, Chilich has looked solid but giving me enough confidence that once he you know gets into the tournament a little bit i, I mean again this is on you for forcing us to make bold predictions so <laughs> i you know i, I don't want to hear it but yeah that's that's where i'm at no i like it i mean are we selling schwartzman short like huh. no pun intended sorry yes uh um, i mean yes probably but at the same time i don't feel great about where he's at um it just it is what it is. I think especially if you you compare that to somebody like a Chilich with the upside. I, I mean I don't know. Again, you're probably selling it a little bit short, but again, I, I'm okay with it in this situation. Yeah, pun intended on that one. Um, yeah. What's my bold take? My bold take is that every seed in this section, excluding Ugo Umber, makes the third round, and that never happens. I think that's a pretty bold take. All the seeds but Umber. I think Botic or. Uh, Struf. Well, at that point, Struf's a great matchup because you don't take him as the favorite. So I think whomever wins the botic Struf match wins that second-round match over. Yeah, actually, you know what? Scratch that. Why stop giving me the scratch sound effect? I think all the seeds from this section advance to uh, to the third round. That's a bold take, right? That doesn't happen in most of the sections. So that will be my bold take for this one is that all of the seeds manage to advance. But with that in mind, Jimmy, give me the predictions. Who's getting out of the Medvedev quarter? Really found your way around that to say it's bold that the seeds will win. Yeah, I, you really logic your way through I that come from this Nikoyak stuff. school of thought. And stuck me with the, you know, hey, we have to force you to, to make a bold <laughs> prediction. It hurts, right? And it just comes back on me. But yeah, please. Um, when we get to the women's podcast and your bold prediction is that Krejcikova wins again, it's like, all right, don't worry. I'll do the heavy lifting there. No, she's – anyway, <laughs> uh, we'll get to that later. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think Medvedev, again, horrible, horrible pathway. I think he still wins it. Uh, I think he comes through. I already said Chilich at the top half of that one. So Medvedev versus Chilich. Medvedev wins it. Medvedev gets to the semis. It's a good pick. I really want to take Felix over Medvedev and just have the Felix Sinner young, you know, next next generation semifinal. But I think they're all going to eat each other at the top of that section of the draw. Like Evans is not an easy match, and neither would be Rublev or Chilich. 
I mean, Medvedev doesn't have a simple section, but he's Daniil freaking Medvedev, and it's a hard court, and it's three out of five sets, and he's earned the benefit of the doubt. So I agree with you. I'll take Medvedev to advance. I think Felix gets to that quarterfinal. I do think, again, Felix has taken a step forward here, and I'm going to count the ATP Cup title as his first pro title, and we're just going to live with that and say he no longer has a drought. I know that's not a thing. Uh, But I'll take Medvedev over Felix there uh, to advance to the semifinals. With that in mind, it's time for the final predictions, Jamie. We've got you. Let me just, so listeners know, just a recap. In terms of per quarter, I took PCB over Tommy Paul in quarter number one. You took Monfils over Fucevic Lal. You took Nadal over Zverev two. I took Zverev over Hercots. You took Rude over RBA. I took Sinner over RBA. We both have Medvedev. You over Chilich. I have him over FAA. With that in mind, finalist title. Who you got, Jamie? Medvedev advances from the bottom. Uh, Nadal advances from the top. Nadal-Medvedev final. Um, think it'll be an unreal match. Give me Nadal. Nadal to win it. Nadal to win in Australia. You got to talk to me. Think... Is that just a bold take? You're done with it? Or is that is there a, no. is that serious? So, no, it's it's serious for a couple reasons. I said this before. Um, I think that's still the greatest value on the board is Nadal to win the tournament future. Uh, I think people, like you said, once he gets to the second week, there's no reason he can't win this. Look, a lot of times when we talk about this, it's later in the season, and as he's gotten older, that's really what's hurt him is he's not healthy. Right now, at least in terms of wear and tear on the body, I think he's in an okay position, right? He didn't look phenomenal, but I think he's good enough to at least get through these first few matches. And then at that point, it's Nadal in the later stages of the Grand Slam. How are you? It's really hard to count against him there. Um, he's done it a million times in my semi matchup there. He's against Monfils. I don't think that's close. Um, you know, by that point, he would have already had to get through somebody like Sverev. I, I think Nadal, I think Nadal can do this. this. He knows this is a huge opportunity. Djokovic is out of there. He's the only one of the big three. I think he can rise to the occasion. It's a fair take. That's not a good take, though. It's fair, but it's not good. Um, no, I... I mean, this isn't going to shock anyone. I'm going to take Zverev. I think things have opened up perfectly for him in that top half of the draw. Nadal's going to get tested before even getting to a potential quarterfinal match. Zverev's got things a little bit easier. Yeah, if Shapo plays great, if Riley plays great, sure, it gets a little more complicated. But on his best days, Zverev is the best player in his section in that top half. Again, Medvedev's just going to get tested so frequently along the way, and I just think that we saw last year, you know, again, Djokovic zapped of energy by the end of his run, and I think Medvedev could be zapped by the end of his run. I do think we get Zverev Medvedev, and I do think this is going to be one of the defining rivalries. That's not a hot take of the next decade of men's tennis. I would love to see the next next gen. I think there's a world where Sinner Alcaraz actually does happen. Now, it's a very, very small world with like a point. 0.1% chance of happening. That would be exciting. But I just think this is Zverev's tournament. I think he wins this slam. I, there's a world where he can end year number uh, world number one as well if he wins the title. I don't think that scenario happens because I think Medvedev defends all of his points here. But I think Zverev wins the title. I think he takes his first Grand Slam here in Australia. And yeah, I think he knocks off Medvedev. I'll say in four sets he ends up getting the job done. But more than anything else, as always... I'm expecting an exciting affair. And, of course, we will be back each and every day to recap all of the action. We'll be back each and every day to uh, talk about, again, uh, offer our picks, excuse me, for each round. We'll have matches of the day for Patreon as well. With all of that in mind, any final thoughts, Jamie? 
Let's get this thing going. Yeah. It's actually going to be hard to start tonight. I'm going to have a lot of screens up. I got the Chiefs playing. I got these first round matches. There's a lot going on, but uh, but it's going to be fun to sit back and watch. I like it. A busy first night for you. Well, with all of that said, of course, again, you can follow all the recaps here on the Mini Break Podcast, Great Shot Podcast. We'll be rocking and rolling all the content available at our website, CrackedRackets.com. A shout-out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westall, for the <laughs> of an editing job he does day in, day out. A shout-out, as well, to our friends at Tennis Point, Tennis-Point.com. Promo code is CR15. With all of that said, for... My fantastic co-host, James, head coach, coach, sir, James Foster McDonald, our super producers, Fliegner and Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point. From all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Jamie, what do we tell our listeners? Hey, that's a break. I I like it. And we will (laughs) see you all for the Women's Draw Preview. Thanks, everyone.